When Jesus was informed of Lazarus' sickness, he deliberately chose to remain where he was. This must have disturbed his disciples who knew Jesus was a close friend of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, and that Jesus was often a guest in their home. As God and man, Jesus knew full well what was going to happen to Lazarus. He would grow weaker, become bedridden, totally dependent on others, unable to eat or drink, and his body would progressively shut down. It is a fate we all share. I know it sounds morbid, but in our culture, that tantalizes us with the illusions. There's always a tomorrow. There are infinite possibilities. The reminder that we are finite creatures is a wonderful corrective to make the best of the limited time we have in this life and not take it for granted. As God, Jesus knew the moment when Lazarus died and what happened to his soul. What will happen to your soul and my soul at the moment of death? When Lazarus died, Jesus told his disciples and took them to Bethany. When Jesus arrived, Lazarus' corpse had been in the tomb already for how many days? Four. Keep that in mind. There was a rabbinical tradition among some of the Jews at that time that the soul of the deceased hung around his or her body for up to three days, after which there was no hope for the body being reanimated. Whether that was part of the tradition of the Jews living in Bethany is uncertain. What is certain is that by the fourth day, Lazarus' body had well advanced into decomposition, making reanimation an utter impossibility, which would make the coming miracle even more spectacular. Martha and Mary were sitting in mourning, with family and friends coming to console them and seeing to all the details of hospitality, a process that would usually last for up to 30 days. Martha heard Jesus was coming and scandalously left her place of mourning to go meet him. Notice, she gave him no greeting as would be appropriate. Instead, she locked horns with him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Has there ever been a tragic time when you locked horns with God? I did. But Martha retained a truth I had forgotten. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Has there been a time when you forgot that truth? Because I had forgotten it. I rejected God, and I abandoned religion for years. In his divine mercy, the Lord tried to give Martha hope in all the blackness of death. 
She assured her that her brother would rise. And how did Martha respond? She talked theology. Referring to belief in the general resurrection on the last day, Jesus never ever wants to discuss theology, but rather to give hope rooted in the truth of who he is. How many of us talk or babble in theology when confronted with the bad stuff of life? Retreating into theories and speculations as if that's somehow going to ward off what is happening? Well, it doesn't work. Jesus told Martha that he is the I am, God, the resurrection and the life, assuring her that those who believe in him will never die. And then he locked horns with her. He called for her to make a commitment to him. Do you believe this? He asks. It seems rather cruel, but it was a light in that darkness, and she took it and said, Yes, Lord, I've come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who's coming into the world. That same call for commitment to him, that same light, is always offered to us in whatever chaos we find ourselves immersed in. Do we take it? Are Martha's words our words in those horrible moments? They can be. Martha sent news of Jesus' arrival to her sister Mary. She too scandalously left her place of mourning, left the house, and confused mourners followed her. Mary also locked horns with Jesus. But he asked where his friend was buried, not because he didn't know, but rather to invite others to participate in the incredible sign of who he is. And at the tomb, Jesus, fully united to our human condition, did what? Wept. As man, Jesus understands our limitations when we are confronted with the overwhelming power of death, what it does to its victims, how easily the living just cannot see anything beyond the appearances. As God, he knows what death really is and what happens to us when we pass through it. Jesus ordered the stone to be removed. Martha felt compelled to remind him, Lord, by now there will be a stench. He's been dead for four days. Notice how quickly her act of faith in Jesus as Lord of life faltered when overcome by all the appearances of death. How she needed to remind him what the situation really was. Have we ever allowed the chaotic moments of our lives to compel us to remind God what's really going on, to somehow bring God up to speed? How much of our prayers are reminding God when prayer is his gift to us to be still 
and know that he is present in whatever situation we're in. Jesus reminded Martha, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Jesus never tires of reminding us what is most important, to believe in him, whatever else may be going on. Jesus, who is the word of God made flesh, which we celebrated at Christmas, whose word has all the authority and the power of his Father's word, because he and the Father are one in essence, said, Lazarus, come out. A great deal happened in that moment. The voice that created the universe from nothing, that said, let there be, when all things came into being, is the same voice that called out to Lazarus, Lazarus' soul had been in the place in Hebrew called Sheol, a shadowy abode of the dead, because paradise had been barred to man since the fall of Adam and Eve. Now his soul was brought out from the netherworld and returned to his body. The process of decomposition, well underway, not only was halted, but eradicated, and his body restored to full vitality. Jesus, however, did something very odd. He allowed Lazarus to emerge from the tomb bound in his burial clothes. Why couldn't he who brought a soul out from the netherworld brought it back into a body fully restored and he leaves burial bands on? Why? The task of unbinding was to become the ministry of every generation of disciples. We are to unbind others from their doubts and fears through the precious gifts of Christian fellowship and journeying together. From their ignorance of who Jesus is through our witness and the teaching of scripture and tradition, which belongs not just to the priests, but to the priesthood of all believers. Jesus calls us to unbind each other from sin through mutual forgiveness and to unbind ourselves, especially through the sacrament of reconciliation that Jesus gave for sins that create spiritual death in the soul that if not repented of, will lead to hell, from which there is no escape. We are told that many who witnessed this powerful sign came to believe in Jesus. But we have to ask, how many of those people would later call out, crucify him? And what about Lazarus? We know from John chapter 12, verse 10, that the chief priest plotted to kill Lazarus, who was a living, walking, talking testimony of Jesus' divine nature, and therefore a threat. It is incredible that after seeing such a wonderful sign of God's mercy, 
people could still allow their hearts to become hardened. What is even more incredible is that given the gifts of the church, the gospel, the sacraments, the testimony of holy men and women over 2,000 years, the immense power of fellowship, we can still allow our hearts to be hardened. 